So today we are considering joy to the world, and as we lead into the message, we've asked the worship team and choir to lead us in singing this song. So why don't you guys stand and just sing this with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then we'll talk about it a little bit.
Amen. Thank you, choir. You may be seated. So the first week of this series, we considered the carol, O Come All Ye Faithful. As I already mentioned last week, Stan looked at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And today we come to Joy to the World and the gospel truths contained in this much-loved Christmas carol. And that is the point of this series, is to look at the gospel that is contained, the good news that is contained in these carols. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. The song proclaims that the birth of Jesus Christ is a cause for joy. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Not only does this carol proclaim that the birth of Christ is a cause of joy, but the scriptures reveal the coming of Christ as a cause for joy. The birth of Jesus is presented as a cause for joy in both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, we read of the Magi or the wise men, and it says that when they saw the star, the star marking the place where the baby Jesus was, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great Joy And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshiped him. Luke 1.44 tells us of a time when Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, went to visit Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus. And when she went into Mary, little unborn John the Baptist leaped for joy in his mother's womb when he came in contact with the voice of Mary who was carrying the Christ child. In Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47, in Mary's beautiful song, as she processes the reality of what's happening in her life, the child she's carrying, who he is, she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then in one of the most well-known verses of the Christmas narrative, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, tell us of the announcement that the shepherds received. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The coming of Christ was a joyful event. And one of the things that occurred to me as I was preparing this week is that it was the expectation of heaven as evidenced by the proclamation from the angels, it was the expectation of heaven that this announcement and this event, the coming of Christ, would bring joy to the world, would bring joy to the people of the world. And one of the great things about the tradition we have of 
formally recognizing and celebrating the birth of Jesus every December is that it allows us each year to reflect on the joy that Christ coming brought. And it gives us a chance to relive the joy of that first Christmas. This season is meant to help us through remembrance and celebration to experience the joy that comes because the Lord has come. And so the first Christmas and every time this event has been celebrated since is meant to be a time of joy. But sometimes the circumstances of our lives make it seem as though the words to songs like joy to the world are almost some kind of a taunt to us because our circumstances are so often conspiring against joy. Let me give you just a little example from uh, the birdhouse, from our own lives, okay? So this week, two of the three cars that we own as a family had the heat go out. Did you notice how cold it was this week? So it was a great week for that to happen. Aaron, my 17-year-old, his, his car has both the heat out, and it's a new car, by the way, not, not brand new, but new to us car, heat out, and uh, engine light on. Michelle was driving to work Thursday, and she had a flat tire. Thursday was a rather chilly day. Michelle's not good at fixing things like that herself. <laughs> but uh, she coasted into Buster's there on the, on the rim and, uh, and uh, filled it up with air after a couple trips in to get more change because she couldn't figure out the first time how to use the machine and ran out of air too, too uh, quickly. And so as I'm talking with her on the phone, as she's waiting to see if the the tire is going to hold the air, she sarcastically says, Merry Christmas, joy to the world. Of course, problems like that are minor compared to the first Christmas that she lived through after losing her father uh, to cancer, Uh, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or this year, the 19th Christmas without her father. And of course, uh, many of you, really most of us, know these same kinds of pain. You've lost someone you love, and every Christmas is marked by the searing pain of your loss. Joy is elusive to you. Songs like Joy to the World feel like they're taunting you, and pastors who talk to you about the joy of the season come off as being insensitive to you or uh, maybe, you know, somewhat annoying You want to scream at everyone, Christmas doesn't bring me joy. Christmas brings me pain. With respect to all of the pains that we all experience, I think it's important for us to understand the world that Jesus was born into, to understand the circumstances of the people that God expected to receive the birth of Christ as a cause for joy. You see, the circumstances of the people at the time of Christ's birth were not very good. It was actually a very dark time in human history. Consider just a few things. God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, had not heard a new word from God in 400 years. Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, was written in the 5th century B.C. and it concludes by stating that God will send Elijah the prophet as a forerunner of the Messiah. And of course, that was eventually fulfilled in the person of John the Baptist. 
Uh, But between Malachi and the coming of John and the coming of Jesus, there was a period of 400 years. If you've ever gone through an extended period of time where you felt as though you weren't close to God, you felt as though you weren't hearing a word from God, you felt as though God was not speaking to you, you know how difficult that can be. The people had not heard from God for 400 years. It was a time of spiritual darkness. In addition to that, the people of God were under the oppressive rule of Rome. They were essentially possessions of Rome, owned by another against their will. There was no David ruling in Jerusalem now. Instead, they were ruled by the evil Herod. Soldiers walked the streets to keep the people in their place. Imagine those of us in the United States, you know, used to being the land of the free, the home of the brave. Imagine that we have been conquered by some foreign entity and, and instead of the free movement we have, there are soldiers all over the place watching our every move, uh, making sure that we don't step out of line in the slightest way. And if you imagine that, you can get some idea of what they were living through. Not only that, but the nation of Israel was fracturing. The Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and Zealots all had different visions for Israel and Judaism. Riots were common. Tension was constant. And the the tension and and the fighting between the people brought harsher responses from Rome. And then you go down into the lives of the individual people involved in this Christmas narrative, Mary and Joseph. And we know that The events surrounding the birth of Christ brought unique difficulty to them. Of course, it started with with the fact that Mary was a virgin and she was going to have a baby. And, you know, virgins don't have babies. And so this brought all kinds of cloud of suspicion uh, over Mary. You can imagine the whispering that occurred whenever she went out in public. Even in adulthood, the, the circumstances surrounding uh, how Jesus was conceived uh, would constantly be thrown up in Jesus' uh, face. Uh, there was a time when uh, Jesus was confronting the Pharisees with the truth that they were actually children of Satan rather than children of God. And in response to him in John chapter 8, they answered him by saying, well, we weren't born of sexual immorality, And so 30 years, 33 years after his birth, Jesus is still having people throw up the circumstances of of his conception to him because people could not understand what God was doing. And don't forget in the story that King Herod set out to try to kill Jesus after he was born. And even though he was unsuccessful with that, he was actually quite successful at killing male children under the age of two in and around Bethlehem, what can be any darker? What can be any more awful than, than that type of thing? That was the world, and those were the circumstances into which Christ was born. It, it was into circumstances like that that heaven, that God, expected the birth of Jesus to bring joy to people. It was into a world like that that Mary sang her beautiful song of joy and thanksgiving to God. It was into a world like that that the angels told the shepherds that they had good news of great joy. The carol proclaims it. The scriptures proclaim it. The birth of Jesus is cause for joy. In the midst of the darkness and the difficulty and the pain, 
joy. There are three great truths in the carol joy to the world that are so great that they, they are the cause of joy even in the midst of darkness and difficulty and threats and pain. There is joy because the Lord has come. There is joy because the Savior reigns. And there is joy because he rules with truth and grace. I mean no disrespect to anybody's darkness or difficulty or pain or the threats that are aligned against anybody today. But if we can ever really grasp, if we can ever get a God-given revelation of the truths contained in this carol and in the scriptures concerning the coming of Christ, then we are going to be able to experience joy even in the midst of loss and sorrow and pain and difficulty. Having joy doesn't mean there's no sorrow. Having joy doesn't mean you don't recognize a situation as difficult. Joy is not a happy, clappy, reality-denying experience. Joy looks at difficulty, acknowledges it, but knows that God is greater and still finds joy in him. The joyful person can experience sorrow every year. Joy doesn't mean you have to disrespect your losses. Joy doesn't mean you have to move on from the pain of those losses. Joy looks at the losses. It appropriately mourns the losses, but it still rejoices in God and his goodness. There is joy because the Lord has come. There's a lot we could say on that point, but I just want to mention three reasons the coming of Christ uh, brings joy. John 12, 46 gives us one. Jesus said that he came into the world, quote, as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Into the darkness of the first century, Christ was born so that people did not have to continue to live in darkness. And into the darkness of 2016, Christmas reminds us that Christ has come to us so that we don't have to live in darkness anymore. And into your personal darkness, Christmas reminds you that Christ has come to you so that you don't have to live in darkness anymore. Christ came to eradicate the darkness of sin. He came to bring light to the darkness of our losses. He came to vanquish the darkness of discouragement and frustration. The Lord has come. He's come to bring light into our dark places. And then in 1 John 3, 8, we read, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The coming of Christ brings joy because it means the destruction of the work of Satan. If you survey your life, what's the devil's work been in your life? Most of us can look at some things that the enemy of our souls has accomplished in our lives that have brought about a lot of, a lot of harm to us, done a lot of damage to us. Whatever work Satan has been successful at doing in our lives, whatever damage he has inflicted on us, Jesus came to destroy what Satan has done in us. And this is meant to be a cause for joy. The, the wreckage that Satan has brought in so many of our lives, it doesn't have to stay that way because the Lord has come. What Satan has done, God can undo. 
what Satan has built in your life, God can tear down. You're not helpless. You're not hopeless in your current situation because the Lord has come. And John 10.10 lets us know another reason the Lord coming is such a cause for joy. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Christ brings life, life to the full. He brings meaning and purpose to our lives in the here and now, and he gives eternal life to everyone who comes to him in faith. Darkness eradicated, Satan's work destroyed, the bringing of real life now and forever. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And so there's joy because the Lord has come. And then the carol goes on and says, there is joy because the Savior reigns. There is joy because Christ is our Savior. And there is joy because the one who is our Savior is the one who reigns over all of life. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. John 3, 16 tells us God sent his son into the world so that everyone who would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have eternal life. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so there is joy because the one who has come, Christ, is our savior. And then there is joy because the one who is our savior is the one who reigns. John chapter one lets us know that everything that exists was made by Christ. He is the creator of all things. Colossians 1 lets us know that Christ holds everything together. He's not just the creator of all things, but he is the one who sustains all things. And then Revelation 11 lets us know that there will never be a time when Christ is not in control. There will never be a time when Christ does not reign. The one who created everything and who sustains all things, the Savior who reigns will reign forever. Revelation eleven fifteen. the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. The creator and sustainer of all things will reign forever and ever. And he has come to earth to offer you to be a part of his kingdom. He came to earth to offer you the benefits of his creative, sustaining, reigning power. He offers all of that to us today. Some of us here today may feel like we're doing life alone, but it does not have to stay that way. Christ offers you his rule and his reign. He offers you to come under his care, the care of the one who created and sustains all things. The one who does that can take care of you. The one who spoke the worlds into existence can break the power of sin in your life. The one who sustains the universe in all of its intricate precision is the one who can sustain you through the pain of your loss. 
The one who knows the mysteries of the universe can bring you out of the darkness of depression and despair. I um, saw a Facebook exchange this week. A pastor friend of mine uh, mentioned on Facebook that he believed that God had the, had the power to deliver people from depression. And someone responded to him and just tore him up one side and down the other for failing to understand depression and failing to understand how important uh, it is to get the right treatments and I thought, did he actually say anything that contradicted all of that? And I thought even more, do we really want to get to a place where even though we take advantage of all that medicine and professionals can help us with, do we ever want to get to the place where we stop believing that God can in an instant deliver us from things? I don't think so. I don't think so. Go to therapy, take your medication, but ask God to deliver you. Amen. God can deliver Amen. people from depression. Amen. There's joy because the Lord has come. There's joy because the Savior reigns. There's joy because He rules with truth and grace. Jesus Christ is the one who will tell you what you need to hear instead of what you want to hear. And that's what real love does. And we all say that until someone speaks that into our lives. <laughs> then we don't believe it anymore. <laughs> then we think real love just affirms whatever we, whatever we wanted. But I'm going to avoid a rabbit trail. So Jesus tells us what we need to hear. He won't patronize us. He tells us the truth. And so Jesus, meek and mild, says things to us like, unless you repent, you will perish. Turn away from your sin, turn to me, or you're done for. Jesus says stuff like that. He tells tr the truth. He, he rules with truth. But he also rules with grace. After he tells you you'll perish if you don't repent, then he says things like this. Whoever comes to me, I will never turn them away. You have to repent. But as soon as you do, I will never send you away. He tells the truth, and then he extends his grace. He rules with truth and grace. So Christmas brings joy to the world because the Lord has come, because the Savior reigns, and because he rules with truth and grace. And then this wonderful carol shares even more gospel truth with us. It tells us how we get in on the joy that Christ has brought to the world. It tells us how we individually can experience that joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, is followed by an appeal. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. 
Christ coming to earth objectively brings joy to the world. But for us to individually experience that joy, we have to open our hearts to him. We have to prepare room in our hearts for him. We have to receive our king. And I think that sometimes those of us who have received Christ as Savior, which is probably most of us in here today, we sometimes think that because we said yes to Jesus years ago, that that that's all that was needed and we never have to think of it again. We never have to think about making room in our hearts for him again and that joy should just be ours. And, And if we're not experiencing joy that pastors always talk about and that we read about in the scriptures, then something must be off with Christianity. Something must not work the way everybody promised me it would. But we have to keep making room in our hearts for him. We have to keep inviting him in, not for salvation. Our salvation is secure if we've genuinely trusted in Christ, But to walk in the reality of all that Christ wants for us, we have to keep preparing room in our hearts for him. We have to keep choosing day in and day out to say, again today, God, I invite your presence into my life. You see, what happens when we come to faith in Jesus, when we receive him as Savior and Lord, is that through the Holy Spirit, Christ actually indwells us. And this is a reality we need to think about a lot. Christ lives on the inside of us. But have you noticed that you tend to leak the Holy Spirit? You tend to let Christ leak out of you. Of course, when we say that, we don't literally mean that the Holy Spirit goes anywhere. Christ Christ doesn't actually leak out of us. The Holy Spirit doesn't leak out of us. It's it's not as if, you you know, it leaks out and there's no more Holy Spirit in there. The, The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us and he stays in us. But what we really mean is that we allow the cares and troubles of life to compromise our understanding of and our experience of the Holy Spirit, we allow the cares of life to compromise our reliance on the Holy Spirit. What we basically do is we allow life to choke off the life of the Spirit in us. And so we have to keep intentionally making room in our hearts for Christ and the joy he brings. We have to keep on receiving our King so that we can continue to experience all that he has for us. I know that in a group this size, many of us here today are in some type of pain. But my prayer is that you could still sing this carol with sincerity. That you could actually experience the reality that the carol speaks of. Friends, it was into a world of darkness and pain that Christ originally came. And it was the expectation of heaven that even in that darkness, Christ's coming would bring joy to people. And with all due respect to your pain, that is still God's expectation. Because Christ has come, there is joy in the world. And because Christ has come, you can and you actually should experience joy. Remember that joy doesn't require the absence of pain to be experienced. 
Joy exists even in the presence of pain. Joy is not dependent on everything being good. Joy can be experienced in the middle of a whole lot of bad stuff. Because joy is not based on circumstances. It is the fruit of a life that is connected to God. It is the fruit of a life that has made room for Christ in its heart. It is the fruit of a life that has received its king. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. The enemy has told some of you for a very long time that joy is not possible for you. Again, with no disrespect to your pain, hear me today. The enemy who is telling you that is a liar. The enemy is a liar. You can have joy because the Lord has come. You can have joy. You just have to keep making room in your heart to receive your king and the joy he brings. My prayer is that some of us here today who have felt the absence of joy in our lives maybe for a long time would allow God to come into our lives, come into our hearts in a new and fresh way and that we would be able to say what King David said in Psalm 30, verse 11. Here's what David wrote. This is a man familiar with a lot of grief, a man familiar with a lot of heartache, loss, children turning against him. I mean, just trouble everywhere. And David wrote, Lord, you turned my lament into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. May the words of this loved carol, packed with so much gospel truth, be true for each and every one of us here today. My prayer for all of us is that we would be able to experience the joy that the coming of Christ brings. Why don't you stand?